All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Welcome to Footwork. All right, Footwork, welcome back. This is part two of our stories. Um, this week, we're talking about Mongolia, where I started my career. Um, we go into my mindset, how I adapted to the country, a few funny stories, some food, culture things. So here it is, my time in Mongolia. All right, Sean, we're back. Last week, we visited Australia. This week, we're visiting Mongolia. I'm super excited for this one. Um, those earlier episodes... Because, I mean, we talk a lot off camera, obviously, um, even when it was going on. But there was so much that I learned about your journey there and so much more we can dive in today from mentality to the hardships to, you know, the funny things, funny stories, just everything around that. So, I mean, without further ado, I think we're going to jump right into to Mongolia. You have anything to, to prelude here? Let's do it. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think even one episode is enough, but it's now this could be it'll, a it'll, it'll, it'll get a. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just endless stories because I forget a lot of it too. One thing and, I think know. we should one thing I think we should do is like do a complete episode where it's just fan questions, social questions on Mongolia. We should do that. That would be we a fun little we could do that as a half episode, but let's 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 have one vision at a time. We're gonna start, of course, with our make your own path question. So I kind of want to talk about it in terms of then, how you approach that question then you were asked maybe and then how you would approach that now has it changed then then as in right before mongolia or then yes. as in my younger self okay i would say around that time maybe not right before yeah. then but that time when you're you're thinking right. okay i'm gonna be a pro or i want to be um i think i think it was always it was always part of me i was never afraid to do just do my own thing um, I think that was definitely encouraged by my parents, uh, my older brother, even my younger brother. Um, Use them as examples. I mean, it started like in college with, you know, I wouldn't drink during the season, I decided. And then, you know, you get all the feedback from people like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then like, it just becomes a normal thing. Like, uh, you know, I'm doing this for my own reasons. And like, it's not your business really. And I don't really care what you think, because I think this is what's best for the team. Mm. You know, I want to win the final four. I want to win a national championship. And then that just, that becomes a new norm. And then it's like when we would do those Binghamton workouts. So for all those people, we would wake up the, our last year of college on Saturdays, we would go out on Friday night, sometimes drink, sometimes not, and then wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and drive an hour and 20 minutes to do a workout at this gym. Like and a very intense too. workout. Yeah. And we do that every Saturday. And then you get the pushback. What are you guys doing? Blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, this is, this is just what we got to do, you know? Yeah. And I think that all those little things, uh, it was just a normal, it was just normal. Yeah. Like I liked doing things that, was against, that were against the grain that people didn't expect. And when they questioned it, that was almost like, all right, I'm doing the right thing. Like when you get the, when you get those questions and those looks, like, what are you doing? Like when my brother and I were like, oh, we're going to ride our bikes to work. You know, it's 30 miles. I mean, I still give we, you that look. And then we, we break down at 15 and we're like, oh, let's just keep running. We'll alternate mile, mile on the bike, mile running. <laughs> 
<laughs> and things like this. But it is just it was that was the fun part of it. Like last night, for example, I don't have a light on my bike. It's about to rain. It's about an hour ride. My phone's dead. This is like an adrenaline rush, you know, and that, that was a perfect example of this. Like most people would say, all right, let me just hop on the train and pay three bucks and it'll take me home and I won't yeah. get I won't get wet. I'm not going to get stopped by the police. But I was like, no, 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 no. This is like an adventure. I even recommend I know where I'm going. But, you know, it was uh, it was fun in the end that I made it. So I, I think like- I think that's that's where where it stems from. And that's what we enjoy doing now. And it's because it's become a normal thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I like this notion. You you were like the first to say it out loud in Oneonta too, that like you wanted to be a pro. From what I remember, it was like, I don't know, you kind of were the first to share that idea and then the the actions you were taking in and around the game, not even just the non-drinking thing, but like you could see from trainings and from the work you would put in outside. So like, I mean, I think a lot of this is a very good thing and for those who kind of want to do their own thing, I think Sean is a great person to look up to in this is that I don't think you really look at peer pressure as like anything. And I'm just wondering if you have any tips for people who like may want to do something like not drink during a season when everyone else is drinking or like they just don't like it or don't want to drink or mm-hmm. it could be anything, any vice or any something, you know, what, how yeah. do you like deal with peer pressure? Cause I mean, if you would go out and you'd go out sober, you're getting thrown like, no, drink this, drink this. And then I'll, I'll, what are you doing? Like, you know, you can drink, you have a good time. Like, come on. Like you only get to do this once, but like you were still going out and having a good time. Just how would you, like, do you have any tips for anyone dealing with peer pressure? I mean, it's, it's, I'm doing, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, whatever I decide to do that there's peer pressure because of it. I'm doing it for a reason. And like, I, I didn't think this back then, but it was like, I'm proving myself right. I'm not proving them wrong. Like, oh, I'm going to do this and show you. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, I know this is the right thing. And for my dreams and aspirations, this is what I got to do, whatever it is. And I think if you're just true to yourself, it doesn't matter what they think because they don't understand where your head is. Mm-hmm. Like in college where all this started or something, still people don't know why I began that. And to this day, you know, but this is, that I felt inside of me that this was like a little, it was like a, not a secret power, but it was like something inside of me that no one knew, but it was this motivating fire that was just poor diesel fuel every time someone would say something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, you guys have no idea, like you're headed, you're thinking at such a smaller level than where I am <laughs> and why I'm doing this. Like, but yeah. there's, there's like, you can't see the reason I see it and I, I see it growing and growing and coming into fruition. And still do to this day. And that's that's a motivating factor. And still, that's why the reason I'm doing, I'm continuing to do this. One of the reasons. And I think that gives you extra motivation and just extra fuel to the fire to keep going. Because people don't, it's not that they're being haters or they're, they just don't understand, you know? And sometimes, like the drinking thing is a perfect thing. People feel uncomfortable. And at that age in college, when you're 20 years old, or even it started in high school. And so when you go home in summer and I said, no, I'm not drinking this summer because I want to get ready for the season. And like, everyone's just coming off freshman year of college and they feel uncomfortable because you're not drinking. And normally you would, and you'd have fun. And it's maybe their own insecurities 
that they'd rather you drink because you're a little, you're being different than everybody. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that really push it. Mm-hmm. Your friends and the people that understand you don't say anything. Yeah. You know, they might, they might tease you or something, but they don't say anything, but the people will keep pushing you like, Hey, hey come on, come on, have a beer, have a beer, have a drink or whatever it is. And like, no, no, no. Like I have a plan and I'm going to do what I think is best for me. And one day maybe you'll see it. And one day you might not see it, but that doesn't matter. Like I'm proving myself that this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Knowing yourself, doing it for the right reason, relying on those strong morals. That's Sean Vimberg, ladies and gentlemen. But um, was it was it your idea coming out? Because I know you had put some things out there, like I'm trying to go pro. And I'm sure that inspired um, Pele and me. I can't speak for Pele, but for me, sure. It was like, all right, he's putting it out there. All right, let's go. Let's work. But was it your idea to always go abroad or did you have a feeling you could make it in America first? Like, what was the, what was the, the notion? No, I, I, I always wanted to leave. I mean, honestly, when I saw, I decided 100% I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, our second year in school. So we was, I was 19 and I saw Dinamo Dresden. They were playing in the third league at the time and the fan base and just pure ignorance. But I was like, wow, if that's, you know, the third league in Germany, like that's where I'm going. And I was, I did understand that in America, we probably had a very little chance to get anything coming from a D3 school, even if we were doing well. Um, my cousin Doug also would always say like, yeah, you got to go to Europe or just get out of America. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many, op- so mm-hmm. many opportunities out there. Um, and then it was just ignorance. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to leave the country. I'm going to play. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Didn't know who was going to help me get there or, or what even to do. But like right then and there, I committed, I'm going to do this. And then once again, it was like, you know, as you go through school, like, oh, you're going to finish school. You're going to get a teaching job, right? And then it began the, the new answer, the new make your own path. Like, no, I can, I can always teach. What's the difference if I teach at 21 or at 31? There's no difference at all. But 21 to 31 is the one window of athletic peak performance that I can take this dream facts. and go do something with it. Yeah facts and then you get the pushback from people like oh it's not safe but then you get a lot of people and a lot of encouragement i got from family they're like yeah do it that's like that's a great way to think about it mm-hmm. so then that that was the new thing and then it just it, one like one thing after another it just becomes more and more and more and then the other stuff is normal now you don't have to think about it or when the pushback comes it's like ah that's right they don't get it yeah now it's a good i mean you it seems like you were looking at all you say you were ignorant but you're kind of just looking at like this is going to happen instead of all of the obstacles that were going to be in the way to get that. And right. it's like, that's when ignorance is like, that's a good thing. It's yeah, like, no, I have, I have this, this is like, I'm, I'm going to rely on this dream and, and we'll deal with those things as they come. So let's go into that. Cause we, we, we end college on a, on a disappointing kind of result. you know, losing in the final four probably deserved that one too. And you know, then it becomes that time where we're not getting drafted, obviously, like you said, and we bounce around in combines and we mentioned this in, in the Australia episode with me, but I mean, same thing with you, some yeses, some no's. Um, but ultimately there was one in Virginia that we both went to that, you know, a legend saw your, saw your, your talent and, and thought he could place you in Europe. So kind of give us that, that road into that combine um, and mm-hmm. what came from it. Yeah, so it was with uh, Soccer Pass and Fabian Lewis, which was the, a friend of my cousin's. They played together in college. And at the time, he was pretty much the only person I knew that like could maybe help me get somewhere. I didn't know anybody. 
um, soccer visa we didn't even know about yet. So uh, yeah, I went there. I, I performed well. And uh, then I was like, you'll hear back from us. And then I heard back a few weeks later that, okay, you know, he's interested in bringing you over to Portugal. We just have to wait for like an official invitation from the club. And it didn't come until like three or four months later. Uh, so I'm super excited to go with another American, uh, Nigel. And uh, yeah, we get there and like, we have to pay for a flight, pay for an Airbnb. It's covered by, it. we have to pay that. And then we show up to the club and like walk into the president's office basically. And he has no idea who we are. Like out of respect for Luis Bomorte, who is an absolute Portuguese legend played in the Premier League. He'll, he'll look at us, but like, he didn't know we were coming. He the was the coach, one, he was the one at the combine, everyone. And he's the one who set right. this in motion just so right. everyone knows. Right. And, um, the coach got fired at the time when the combine was in September, by the time we got to Portugal in January, there was a new coach. Be just so, like that. So they, they, we are, we were basically strangers. We're just some American tourists in Portugal that want to train and happens to know Luis. So it's like, okay, out of respect for him, like we'll have a, we'll have a look. Yeah. And then we get there and, uh, on the ride back from the airport, the, I guess like the manager kind of just, he does little things for the club, tells us the training schedule, tells me. And then we show up on Monday and it's not what we thought it was going to be. They're like, all right, we're playing the U19s today. So like put your kid on and, and wait. So they put us in a separate locker room, not with the team. They isolate us and we're there super early. So we're in literally in this locker room for like an hour by ourselves. And then eventually players start coming out. So we go out and the coach comes over with uh, the assistant coach to translate and basically ask us uh, what positions we play. I say center back and outside back. And he asked us if we played in Europe before. <laughs> and I said, yep, I played in Barcelona. <laughs> in one, <laughs> in one with, game organized with, through a company. With my, or, yeah, exactly. With my... Uh, with my college team blah blah blah, and he was like oh, okay he's like so you're you're starting at right wing i was like okay i'm good let's let's do it right wing and uh yeah sure enough 20 minutes in 15 minutes in i scored the first goal up one nil at right wing pick the center back's pocket trying to play it across the field and beat the goalie one-on-one -on -one. thinking i'm doing well halftime comes they take me out and they put the other american in but a different position I thought that was weird. Like, if they wanted to see me, wouldn't they want to see me in the full 90? Like, this is just a, like a friendly against the U19s, you know? Took it for what it was. Then, uh, you know, I'm here for two weeks. And I'm supposed to train every day. But that's what I thought. But they had obviously different opinions, different plans. So then we don't train again for like three days. And it's like a, game, uh, a training after they played a game after an actual friendly match so it's light we're doing almost nothing so like i can't show anything and i was like all right this is kind of not unfair but i was like what what is this like mm -hmm. this is not in my head this isn't what it was supposed to be like and then um they trained the next day which was a full training which was okay did okay and then the following day was like a, a, a the training before a game. So you're working on like set pieces and stuff, a little finishing, and that's it. And then um, 
yeah, basically that was it. They said, hey, you know what? To both of us, because we both played pretty well compared to the, to the players on the team. And I thought looking at the team, like, oh, I could play here. Like, I think I think I could I could fit into this team. And he's like, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the season. You know, it's important to focus on the season right now, but there's a break at the end of January. It'd be better if you come back then and we can see you in a bunch of like friendly matches. And we're both looking at each other like we just spent two thousand dollars to come here two weeks and we played three times or two and a half times like we can't i can't come back like it's either we stay and we keep training or like you sign us but coming back is not even an option because what happened now is totally what wasn't supposed to happen quote unquote Mm -hmm. um so that was it that was it and uh i called fabian that night and he had like a very good conversation with me that like this is like the business of professional football. Like there's, it's very dirty. It's not going to go ever as you plan. And like, you have to perform immediately. They might not be interested, but if you do something exactly what they're looking for, they're going to sign you. There's never, uh, there's no guarantees. In this case, they are like, this is just bad timing, but Mm -hmm. we waited four months to come. So I didn't understand that. I was like, why would we not just wait a few more weeks? We already waited four months. And yeah, then I was like, all right, you know what? This is a good lesson. I'm going to learn from it. Obviously, it sucked. Take it for what it is. I now see that this is the third league in Portugal, that there's some very good players here, but there's also players that I think I'm, I'm better than. I can play at this level. And let's find the next opportunity. So did you see it? Was it humbling to you? Or did you more see it as like an opportunity where you could see this is the level okay, yeah, maybe he said no, maybe some things like this didn't go as planned. But I saw what this level could be. And I saw, okay, this is either how far away I am, or this is how close I am. Yeah, I think that I think that was it is this is how close I am. Like They yeah. don't want me sure, for whatever reason, and I could mm-hmm. make excuses, you know, oh, they have a new coach. But like, quite frankly, they didn't want us. They, they let yeah, us train out of respect for Luis. And there was never interest. And we didn't perform so incredible where they have to you know, be like, all right, we, we really got to keep him. Because we were maybe just as good as the players they had, which is not enough. It's not enough. You know, you foreigner. have to come in. In this case, you have to, you have to be this, different. Looking back, to... you would have to come right into the starting lineup for them to be remotely interested. Because they have a lot of players. Sure, we were young at the time, but we're foreign. And they and have an idea. That, they have an idea. know now yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. Always American can even play. I mean, just the question, did you play in Europe? And then the person who says, yes, (laughs) there's no even background to it. It's just, oh, you played in Europe. Okay. You probably have a better standing. You can start. Exactly. Hilarious. And, you know, we don't speak the language, things we talk about all the time. Of course, I was doing my best to learn as much Portuguese and I was using Spanish on the field as much as I could. I thought (laughs) I was doing okay, but it's still, I can't speak to the coach, you know, directly. So that's a barrier. Mm-hmm. We're not so much better than the players there they have. That's a barrier. Who knows what the visa process is? There's another barrier. Mm-hmm. And they have all these players from Portugal or Brazil, and there's no issues. You know, they can integrate right into the, to the team. Yeah. So I think it's clear looking back why they were not interested at all. But it was a great learning experience for me. It felt unfair at the time, but I just took it with a grain of salt and then was on to Mongolia after that. 
Yeah, I was I was thinking of a good segue there because you said breaking down barriers and then it just it gave me the idea of Mongolia, I believe, were like the ones who broke down the Great Wall of China. Is that, is, am I historically accurate on this at all? Yeah, are they? Uh, <laughs> that's what it was built. To keep it was Mongolians built to keep out. the Mongolians out, the Mongolian yeah. army. Okay, interesting. All right, well, great history lesson there and a segue into Mongolia. And yeah, we've yeah. we've touched on this, like I said, in other episodes and um, muttering those words still like, I was a professional in Mongolia is is still crazy but it just shows you like in a way how bad you wanted it you know because yours was yours was full-time professional and it was full-time professional according to fifa mine was not full-time professional and i probably looked at it like i probably looked at i wanted would go to australia over mongolia and i think many people would have different opinions on that but yeah i mean it's crazy that you did it, but also like, it seems like it really set the stage for you and ripped the bandaid off in a place that was like, okay, if I can adapt here, you know, I can adapt anywhere. So going into Mongolia, did that Portugal trial, I guess failure, we could say again, but did that motivate you to like, just take this opportunity and just get your foot in the door and say, okay, it's time to, to be a pro and get off to the races. Yeah. Yeah, that was exactly my thinking. It was, I had this Mongolian offer before going to Portugal, but I wanted to do, I wanted to go to Portugal and try it out uh, before saying yes to that. And then as soon as Portugal said no, I was like, all right, Mongolia it is. I don't have anything else. At this time, I'm out of college for six months. I'm like, oh, I got, I got to get my first contract. I got a player already. Time's ticking. I'm 22 already. I'm so old. And, uh, Yeah, so it, my mind was set. It wasn't even a question. And um, of course, great advice from Fabian and stuff talking about it. But it was like, you you get the ball rolling, number one. And I don't know who told me, but it was I was always under the impression that like you should never have gaps in your CV. Like you should always be playing. Yeah. So I felt like, okay, I've been, I played in like uh, in New York after college, but that's not really, it's like a semi-professional amateur league. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need, I need to play somewhere. And Mongolia, I have an opportunity. Like, let's take it. And then from there, we'll figure something out when I'm there. So yeah, went there with a, a very open mind, um, excited for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it was, I, was, I was pumped. It's my first yeah. contract. I mean, we're going to get into the ex- expectations versus reality and a, a dive a little bit deeper into your mindset. But was there any part of you that was like, I guess, fearful of how other people would react to this news? Like, were you ever self-conscious of like, oh, this is Mongolia? Or was it like, were you using some of those same functions that you would use for peer pressure and for drinking and say, like, you guys just, you don't understand how big this vision is. This is just the first step. Yeah, like at this point, it it wasn't even a thought like, oh man, what are people going to think, you know? Love that. I was hyped because you went to Australia. Yeah, and I sure were like, oh, probably, probably rather go to Australia than Mongolia. Like, hey, this is the opportunity I have. Like, let's take it. Like, Dylan's yeah. already got a contract. We were grinding together. Like, now I finally got mine a few months later, and it was, yeah. I mean, I had a great support system. Number one, my family has always backed me. I was excited for me. That's um, Google talking. Can you hear that? Very nice. Google is 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 switching flights to Mongolia. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, lost a train of thought. Oh, uh, what people thought. No, no, just it was just like, how cool. So my immediate family and then like cousins and 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 husbands of cousins, whatever. Like I remember one of them, he was like, uh, <laughs> he's like Mongolia. Wow, like that's awesome. Like good for you. He's like, you know that game in elementary school where you have the globe and you spin it and you stop it with your finger and like that's where you have to live for your life. He's like, Mongolia was definitely one you never wanted to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But and I was like, that's that's hilarious. And at the same, like, no one knows anything. So first off, I thought that was cool. I couldn't research and find much. No one, everyone I told about would be like, where you weren't you, you weren't afraid of that aspect of all of not. No, really I thought knowing. it was I thought it was great. And it and but with that, I had there was two people that I could speak to beforehand that were American that had done it before or around so exactly so I I spoke to them both I spoke to both of them on the phone and uh yeah I didn't I didn't think anything of it I thought it was just going to be like this great experience traveling halfway across the world chasing the dream that I've been working for for years now and a little bit of ignorance is bliss you know Mm -hmm. I I watched on YouTube because my team they qualified for the AFC Cup playoff a season before, I think. So I was like watching all their games, being like, all right, this is the level. Like I could definitely fit into here, doing as much, finding as much as I could on the team and all that, you know, doing the usual scouting. And yeah, I was ready for the opportunity as soon as I got there. And yeah, the contract was what it was and uh, knew I'd make it work for, for a season. It comes down to there's such like a flip of the switch there where you can either look at all the things that could go wrong or just look at it as an opportunity and looking at it as a stepping stone. And like, again, realizing that nothing is like, everything is temporary in a good way and in a bad way, like everything is temporary. So this, this contract is just the first one. If it sucks, like, you know, we move on from it, but I'm going to be a pro and I'm going to make the best of it. It's just the way someone coming out of college who's a D3 athlete hasn't really made a name yet. This is exactly how you should think of it. This is just the first step. I mean, coming off, landing off the plane, uh, I know you didn't really have the expectations and that was a good reason why you, you stayed there um, and why while uh, some other Americans didn't stay there and ended up leaving in two weeks, which we talked about on the Immerse Yourself. Um, but yeah, coming off the plane, what were some of like the initial cultural things that you were just like, holy shit. <laughs> um so we landed there at like three in the morning so we got picked up by the owner and his wife and uh and we get in the we get in prius prius everyone drives a prius there the whole country uh, yeah from the airport you know you're trying to look outside and and see how everything is and it's like there's nothing or it's like very run down or old school there's no street lights it's like super dark is it like country, like from the airport? Is it like there's a country a and then you get into the city? the city? Yeah, yeah it's a little okay. bit. So there's like, there's nothing. But you're trying to, you're just trying to see everything. Just there's so even. much yeah, yeah. Um, information coming in. You're trying to process it all. The trees look the, different and you're like, what yeah. the hell is going on here? <laughs> then we get to the apartment. And I don't remember what my thoughts were walking into it. But then when we got into the apartment, I was like, oh, wow, this is nice. Like, I don't know what my expectations, expectations versus reality is just like, but it was so much nicer than I thought we had a washing machine. Uh, they had like everything you needed for the kitchen, a rice cooker, like a big fridge. Mm-hmm. 
a toilet, a mm-hmm. shower with a bathtub. And but the, the shower, the the shower sh- didn't the shower didn't last the entire time though, did it? No, no, no. We'll get to that. But there was two uh, there was two bedrooms and then a pretty big living room. Okay. There was four of us, so that was like a little tricky situation. But we will figure it out. And uh, yeah, they gave us gave us all of our clothes. Um, they gave us our our food stipend, which was like a hundred dollars for the month. And what is like how much does like a loaf of three, bread it was cost? Three. Um, or like eggs, like I mean, some can you remember any yeah, prices? I can't there even remember for... prices, but like for if you went to a Mongolian restaurant, which we'll get to, and ate a meal, it would cost like two bucks, two U.S. dollars. Yeah, three you're bucks. full. Yeah, yeah, you're full. Do they offer water? Mong- do you get water food. for free, or do you have to? No, uh... no. Yeah, only bottled water there. So I would buy my only water. bottled. I'd buy like those big giant jugs. Um. Yes, if you only ate Mongolian food, it's pretty cheap. Like it's almost cheaper to just buy that than to cook. But what's the problem with only eating Mongolian food? You say that with a smile, but like, yeah, we can can bounce in and out. And I want to, I want to stick on this for a second because the food aspect um, is incredible. So I mean, two euro, two U.S. dollars, but you're not eating there every single time. Why is that? No. Um. I mean, it's not the best tasting food. Of course, at first I was open to try everything. Which is like, very oh. important. And I would say like to my team, the first night actually, the first time I ate Mongolian food was like literally one o'clock in the morning. And my teammate was like, I was like, I want to go to Mongolian food. Was, okay, let's go. There's one right across the street. Like I would never know it's a restaurant. It's in Mongolian. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is it. So we how, did Google, how did Google Translate work with that? Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work it with Mongolian. It doesn't even exist. Okay. Um, so yeah, we ate it and it was like, I forget what I ate, but it was good. Like there was a, there's a story, <laughs> that whole event too. That was when the, the kids got, the other Americans got into a little scruffle with some locals, but that's a, that's a, another story. We there's could a story about. for a footwork after dark, our paid subscription yeah, exactly. service coming, exactly. coming later this um, year. But yeah, it was like, there were some things that were like standard, like a potato salad it was okay. like, pretty normal was there any westernized food did you have fast food there did you have like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there was burger king and kfc no mcdonald's no i didn't eat either of those um and then they had like like did they have like pizza or anything i feel like pizza yeah, they, had, they, had, yeah, they had a pizza point. place but it sucked it's like standard like crappy pizza but we would mm-hmm. go there sometimes to eat there was an american breakfast spot which so i like went diner to a number like of times like pancakes like proper pancakes and, and you would get like some good buttermilk pancakes like yes. fluffy thick fluffy. who was running this shit i don't know but let's get them on like let's get them on the pod pure pure american and one of the the american goalie that i spoke to beforehand was like ensuring me like oh there's a nice american breakfast spot like i'm not a big pancake guy but like it was just you know it's funny every now and then you hit it up yeah, yeah, yeah. And just be in a coma for three hours after oh of course but that's uh a, that's a after that's an after game the next day. Exactly. Um, but there was some some good food that I would eat. And after a while, after a few months, I got sick of it and didn't want to eat it ever again. What's like the but, staple? I mean, it's just meat, mostly lamb or sheep. What's the name? Mutton. What's the name of it? Mm-hmm. It's not like, like the that, name that, of the food. That one dish, yeah. Suvin. Well, suvin mm-hmm. isn't like noodles. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All your footwork... Uh, supporters the day, you know the day one. ones know about Suvin, yeah, huh? about Suvin. 
Um, Hosha is like uh, fried bread with meat in it. But like that was a risque move. I mean, I've eaten some good ones and some bad ones. Like we've eaten gas station, like literally from a gas station, you buy it and you put it in the microwave at the gas station, <laughs> like on a road trip. That's like getting team. that's like getting tuna fish or Absol- like sushi yeah. from a oh. gas station in the U.S. Bad news, bad news. You just drive so into then, the, you're just driving west in the Midwest and you just get so some then like tuna fish. Ugh. Some of it's good because it's like a fried bread, like a half moon shape, and there's supposed to be little pieces of meat in it, and then they put like these pieces of fat in it that are legitimately like a cube of fat. They're small, but it's like just fat. But like if you get a cheap one, it's just fried bread. And you open it up, like you take a bite, and then you can pour out all the oil, and it's just the cubes of fat. So it's disgusting. That's like, so interesting. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not eating this. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a little risky eating that. You never knew what you're gonna get. But then there was like, uh, at that monk, at that place right by my place, my apartment, there was a goulash, which is like a standard meal all different countries have. The goulash, it's like called yeah, just... goulash. <laughs> no, goulash. Okay, a little different. You've had it before, I'm sure. It's just like very tender beef. Yes. I don't even know if this was beef, but yeah, anyway, it was good. So that was my go-to. Gotcha. Now, staying off the field, um, I want to stick on some of these cultural differences and things that, I guess for lack of a better phrase, you had to put up with, but also just experience, and it's just crazy. Like, they kind of set the stage where, again, you can adapt here to these situations. Like, you can grind out anywhere to, to get another pro contract. So, I mean, just to like, from some notes I have written down here, just to kind of flip your memory on, um, Prius laps, you know, toilet paper. Um, yeah, let's get into some of these yeah, anything that, that kind of, uh, right, so the first one's the easy. Light bulb going. The first one's easy. Uh, everybody has a Prius. They have like an unbelievable deal with Toyota in Mongolia. You can get Whole a brand country new sponsor, Prius. bro. It's on every exactly. podcast. You can get a brand new Prius for like 3000 bucks. Interesting. Which is insane. Yeah. So nuts. literally every single car is a Prius, mm-hmm. like an older version or the newer ones with like mm-hmm. the hatchback. Like it's basically only Priuses. Some have steering wheels on the left side of the car, some on the right, but they all drive on like the right side of the road like us. But the steering wheels could be, you know, wherever they want. That's, that is it's just <laughs> like is, a roll of the dice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um toilet paper so there's no toilet paper in public places it's always uh B- byot you got to bring your own <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just picturing i'm picturing like you know the whole like people guys with like the fanny packs like yeah. that mallorca beach style like yeah, in, yeah. english festival style and they're just walking around there's just a roll of toilet yeah. paper and got some white fanny so there's another thing uh what else i mean like this is just like, I don't get it, but like little kids will just piss like anywhere or like take a shit like anywhere, like the side will just piss. And like nobody says anything. The parents are cool with it. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing here, people? Like at least go in a corner. But like that's you see that a lot. Like just people piss in the corner of your apartment building, which is disgusting. But what about like buying and selling? Is. I mean, I know there was like a black market you spoke. There's on. a black market. There's, there's a some. There's a, some street was culture it, tendencies if yeah. you run into someone too. I know that. Was a was a yeah, was a blast. That one, that one is a, if you if you accidentally touch someone's foot with your foot, like you kick their foot, 
like you're just walking and they stop and you keep walking hit their foot you have to just shake the person's hand wonder what happens i wonder what happened with covid oh yeah with covid it was just like you don't yeah i don't know but it was definitely a common thing that i was told by because me i always ask the teammates everything i was just trying ask to ask a million thousand questions yeah just trying to figure things out like if you give the money to someone you always give it with like in your palm open hand because like normally people will take out money with like their middle finger index finger like in between your fingers like what? it's very common if you when you take out money and hold money you'll often hold it like in between your fingers like this for people like with your index finger middle finger like in between it you just put it forward but you doing that is like a fuck you it's like super disrespectful like okay. don't ever do that okay and i learned that, that the hard way but he was very nice about it they were like no no don't do that like always open palm like present it to them okay um the black market was cool everything's fake straight from china got the fake nikes fake adidas sean had sean <laughs> fake, had 10 pairs of supreme of gucci yeah, rolexes michael kors everything you could find could get there some good quality some terrible uh the shoe thing was a problem i have a nine and a half u.s shoe 43 in europe which is like a pretty average size shoe but it was like a giant's foot there so oh my god yeah that's it i could find like an eight even think of that an eight eight and a half and the mm. eight and a half i couldn't squeeze into so like oh, i couldn't man. buy any shoes there i found a few pairs that i wanted but i couldn't find the size could you get any ordered it. like what was can you like no nah, i mean this is this is like it's a black market so it's just but in general five, like in mongolia can you like could. yeah I'm sure, online? You could. I'm sure you could gotcha i'm sure they had sizes like this at other stores that are charging mm-hmm. you you know 200 bucks for a fake pair of like gucci shoes which i would never buy but they have this okay everyone and their mother there has some name brand big name brands like this rocking the supreme oh you don't see you know, it you don't you don't gucci, go outside Prada. And see it. yeah it's a thing of course um yeah the bike i bought a bike from the black market but it was very small but it was you know it worked also there one thing they didn't have like bells you know in germany the bike bell is very important to tell people to get off the bike path you know yeah but there, there was like this siren thing. And it so would literally, you, press a a, you, you would press a button and it was this very loud, annoying sound. Like I, I can't even describe it. Oh man. But like you, either way, you would be on the sidewalk and you'd be pressing it and people would not move. Really? They were like, nah. nah My I'm culture moving. is good. not the same there. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Go around. Honestly, I got lucky that I didn't get hit by a car there. It's just the amount, the craziness. Um, other culture things. Hitchhiking culture everyone's a taxi everyone's a taxi okay just put your hand out you know wave down is it a taxi. thumb is it like the or is it just like yeah whatever you want you know okay and someone can stop you and you hope they're not a murderer and you get in and it's a pretty standard price it is a standard price 800 tugrik per kilometer which is like 25 cents and yeah they'll try and hose you like 10x the price but yeah because you know i'm a local now yeah. i know the price oh, yeah, and I yeah, get yeah the money and i get out of the car oh, okay nice and uh yeah, I don't know. I think that's all I could think of at the top of my head. Switching over to football, then to soccer. Um, can you talk a little bit about adapting to the style of play where a coach isn't speaking the language and how that whole training experience was and how the game experience was with the stadiums and such? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so we, everyone played in the same stadium except for two teams. There's 10 teams total. One was outside the city and the other one was in the city, but they had their own. 
right next to like a power plant. Mm-hmm. Is, Very nice. Yeah, nice backdrop. And um, yeah, the coach spoke a very little, a little bit of English. Um, but yeah, it turned into like, you know, midway through the season, like I'm, I'm doing the tactics. Like I'm trying to tell the team how to press and like stay tight and compact. And like coaching them through it at halftime and in the mid game. Um, because we wound up like, this is how we're going to have to play, like kind of go on the counter, sit a little lower not just run at the goalie aimlessly and they play through us and score um training yeah it was nothing i can remember that was good and <laughs> nothing you can remember is good so it was like yeah basically five months of not really training properly and the so field how, that we so were training on, we didn't even it? have a training pitch how are you doing it how are, how are you making the best out of out of these setbacks to improve as a player and like for instance I talked about it with you yesterday. One of the things I saw when I was watching your stream is like, you didn't shut up for 90 minutes, which is an amazing thing as a center back, but like, you don't know the language there too. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you try and improve as a player each time in training and in games when you have these kinds of uh, difficulties, I guess. Right. So right away, learn the language. You can learn like the football commands pretty easily. So you were using like, Mongolian and English. Okay. I was using both. Yeah. But yes, I definitely learned both like left right up back i don't get your directions people yeah get your directions those are easy you need those for the taxi too very yeah. very important yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh and uh that and then the training you just like you make the best of it like there's nothing i could do like it was it was ridiculous with the training fields like we didn't have a training ground sometimes we'd train in a park and the field was I can't believe there's a turf field that exists that it was this bad. Like it was so hard. You couldn't wear, you had to wear turf. It was, it was painted. It, was it could have been painted. Green. Honestly, it could have been, it could have been. Um, um, the knees were just, yeah, it was chaos for the, the five months. The stadium field was okay. The turf was fine. Um, yeah. And you just, you just deal with it. I got a gym membership as soon as I got there right by the apartment some basement basically but they had enough yeah you just make the best of it i mean you're always in control of something like that too so that's always nice but i mean how did you like balance this frustration of these things because you guys were losing at the time i believe you got relegated right yeah yeah and so how would you balance that i mean i know there were some other things going on like you get no calls from the refs i mean like you're losing maybe the payments aren't Mm -hmm. things are you know a little wild, wild west out here in the in the in the east of the world. But like, how would you balance that frustration? Was there any moments where, it, you know, you just kind of hooked it and just you know had to express that rage? I mean, it was just it was doing it was literally just doing everything I could, and I understood like it's a team sport. There's a lot that's going wrong. Like first off, two of the Americans that came with us weren't great players. The ones that two that left, and like I soon found out that having four good foreigners which are allowed is like is very very to make important. the difference it's a huge difference especially in the spine right exactly so they left after two weeks so then we couldn't sign any foreigners until the halfway point so we're playing with two less foreigners every team has four then uh, yeah there's just some players that shouldn't be on the field at one point we didn't have a goalie Classic. <laughs> so like the winger stepped in goal and he did okay, but like 
you know, we don't have a goalie in a yep. game, mm-hmm. in a season game. Um, yeah, they, you know, they're playing players that are just terrible. And I, there's, I think there's better young players that we have. And I'm trying to convince, like, hey, just play him. Like, he has potential. And he listens and he'll work. And he's a good player, you know, not this guy that's 38 that's been a legend, you know, smoking and formed. Exactly. So it's just doing what you control. It's hilarious. I got relegated in Mongolia. <laughs> Amen. But uh, yeah, there was just so, there were so many things against us. And we started off actually decent, but then it was just a, a downward spiral of people getting hurt. And there was no replacements for any players on the team. So the people that would come in just, yeah, not not good enough yeah um i mean what about the refs because i mean anywhere i've been it's always as a foreigner you're gonna get less calls and i mean maybe that's also just like in your head but i feel like from experience i've had and others had that it can be the case i can imagine it was the case here too no it was they they were for sure against us i hate to bitch about that but like there was just so there was a lot of blatant things the one i can remember uh we would have had a pen in the 90th minute to win the game nigel like i played a, a long ball he's one-on-one with the defender he beats him and the dude literally just scissors his legs in the box the ball's not anywhere near him because he took a big touch and the ref says nothing so like i have i have the video of the post-game interview that i'm there and i'm pissed you probably think you may have seen it but i'm like trying not to say like these refs are a joke but i'm just saying like Listen, there's so many things out of our control. What can you do? Yeah. Like it's ridiculous that we didn't win this game. We have to post this interview. Yeah, we can. Because it's funny because the coach is like trying to be happy and like nice. And I'm just like. And Sean just comes in like <laughs> death medals in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, I mean, in my head, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is what it is. I had to accept it. And it brought me to the breaking point at one point. Punted the ball out of the stadium. That's the one I think has to be the promo <laughs> for this episode, dude. That is the funniest video I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Sean just yeah, punts the ball out of the stadium. Like, it seemed like yeah. the pinnacle of like you had a little, you had a. There was it was the last it was the last game of the season or second to last because I got a red, a second yellow for that. But yeah, it was just like it was five months again of frustration. Yeah, and yeah. And also, like, I'm playing half the season with a broken wrist that they say is not broken. So that's just, you know, Dude, a daily thing. thing. There's so many things we could get into on this Mongolia yeah. shit. I mean, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about um, just being so far away from home, of course. Um, yeah, like, the lon- was there any loneliness, any mental hardships in there, like being away from, from family, from friends, and, you know, relationships or anything like that? Yeah, a little bit, but I, I think I've always had the mindset of this is I chose to, I, I'm choosing to do this. Yeah. And this is what I want to choice. do. And I've been mm-hmm. working for years for this. Mm-hmm. Like, why be upset? There's moments, sure, but uh, this is my choice. I can leave at any point. Yeah. Like, you know, they're not going to put me in prison if I try to leave. Like, no one is keeping me here. At any point, I can leave. It's such a and, good uh, thing. Dude. It's such a great way to look at it. It's like, if it's really that bad, just go. Yeah, like the, the other Americans, they left and just put that on our neck. They left in the middle of the night without saying anything. So we show up to training the next day and they're like, where's uh, Chris and CJ? They, they zero left. dark 30 out of there. Yeah, they zero dark 30 out of here. They're like, what? 
and then the president calls us like after training or the wife because she's using it and she's flipping out like what are you talking about it's like listen this is not my problem they left i don't know what to tell you yeah that's there that's there and you that's they left their little fake adidas bag that you gave them with the clothes in it and that's all i can tell you (laughs) that's too funny that's crazy um yeah and then i also thought my dad came out to visit in the Mm. summer for i think two weeks which was nice um also i was with the american we were good friends and there was another american that i was very close with so we'd always do things together yeah so it's not like i was just sitting in the apartment you know mm-hmm. this sucks mm-hmm. but like i took advantage of only training twice a week actually, actually doing a week yeah and like just exploring doing Absolutely. as much as possible mm-hmm. um yeah i just spent most of the day in the city for what it was uh just like hanging out at a cafe or something yeah and from from this, um, was there any notion that you could try and leverage this to get into a different place in Asia? Or was it like, okay, uh, now it's time to just take this year, what I've learned and grew, grown as a player, and, and go back on the combine scene and try and get into Europe? No, I think as, as soon as I went there, which was April, I knew, uh, I knew after that season that I wanted to go to Germany. Mm-hmm. And that, or somewhere... That the foosball project was basically going to help me most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to do? I did a combine as soon as I got back. We'll save. Thought, we'll like, save this yeah. for a little bit for, exactly. for the next one. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, that was uh, that was the idea. I was mm-hmm. definitely not staying there. Mm-hmm. They wanted to sign me even after all the things that happened. Them like not wanting to pay me and stuff, and uh, even punting the ball. Yeah, they they wanted me to stay. I was like, sorry, but no, you know, good people. Love mm-hmm. the teammates. They're mm-hmm. just great, nice, genuine people. But yeah, it wasn't uh, that wasn't the move. I think we'll explore some of these topics maybe um, from from questions from fans, and I'll throw in a couple there too. But it's time to get into our fast feet round at the end. So, what was your favorite moment there? My favorite moment. My favorite moment was when my dad came and we visited the uh, the countryside. Okay. Cool. Also. Another favorite moment is when we were at that live jazz bar and they played the footwork anthem. That, I mean, that's really set everything in motion. That's that was a vibe, you know, just like on the street at night, nice weather, sitting there with him. And yeah, listen to that. And then that countryside was great. Great experience. Reason you would go back. To see the rest of the country. Yeah. So I went, when I say the countryside, it was like, right in the middle of the country if you look at it on a map Ulaanbaatar the capital is kind of north but there's like the you have eastern Mongolia I didn't go to the south is the Gobi Desert I didn't get to go to that I would love to go there these Massive are all trips country. like a Massive week country. two week trip for each yeah. of these so it's I didn't have time to do that and then the west like towards Kazakhstan they worship Genghis Khan as a god he is their god so that's like a totally different culture. Um, they herd like reindeer. It's like their specialty over there. And they're living like very old school nomadic lifestyle. Would it be crazy that, to the see whole too. Western so, so I'd like to go there too and see that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'd be a reason. Honestly, go to the black market, pick up a few things. Yeah, you got to get that new pair of Yeezys. How about, um, how about uh, your favorite food when you were there? Goulash. Yeah, oulage, a good yeah. oulage. There was a, there was a oh. summer delicacy that they just 
their mouths wore they were literally drooling over it was only in the summer it's called uh horhag and it's like uh it's sheep so mutton and you go out like outside of the city so like into the country and you have like a picnic barbecue style and they put um they put carrots potatoes and this meat a shit ton of oil and then rocks from the river it's like a special type of rock from the river that you would, you would always have the picnic right on now the it's river. getting interesting yeah they would put this in a pressure cooker and let it cook for hours and meanwhile everyone's getting shit-faced yeah. like they're just drinking vodka like no other um yeah and then you eat this and it it was like you know it's just meat the potatoes and carrots were so tender and the meat is is what it is it's not really seasoned but like that was okay i had it a few times because i went on multiple of these picnic things um but yeah the goulash for me was was better because that was like yeah just felt very old school like oh man this is what Genghis Khan and his boys yeah did. probably yeah <laughs> there's some rocks in the pressure cooker and, and made boys. some meat oh man yeah. how about favorite cultural thing favorite culture I'm a big big fan. Sean Sean started uh, kicking people just so he could shake their hands. By the <laughs> Favorite culture thing. We can save that too. We can save that if we can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, one one thing too. But I think this is everywhere in the world. But people are so giving and friendly. Could be the culture too, and, though. I mean, what, but it's like you know, them. when you come into their home, they always offer you something, even if they don't have much. They're yeah, always okay. offer. Usually they'd have like a little thing of candy or like bread or drinks and just whatever they had. There was always like a platter mm-hmm. that they would offer you. Mm-hmm. Like oftentimes I would just eat something very small. Like I didn't want to take it because I could see they don't have much. But and actually the culture thing is that people out that live out like as nomads. So they have like their gur, their tent, hundreds of animals and a family. And like they're just so happy. Just with we that, played yeah. we played football with them and like they're just having the time of their life just yeah. like chasing the ball around yeah so it's to see that things. too puts it in perfect into perspective how about toughest moment uh the end yeah always just, when you come to the end of something it's like okay i'm i'm ready to go back yeah but it was just yeah it was just the the weather started getting very bad freezing the pollution um as it, it was getting cold it was unbelievable that's the first time I experienced that. You can't go outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just burns your nose and throat. Damn. Um, yeah, I think that the last the last week or two was was the worst. What about biggest takeaway? Biggest takeaway. One you can adapt to anywhere. So like that may come into Germany. Like oh, I'm just in another state in the U.S. Like this, this At that is the point, US. yeah, right, huh? Because they just speak a different language, like a different, a different language. But this is the U.S. basically. So, like, first off, it set the foundation to be like on the floor of like what I can adapt to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the second one, the one about the people that live outside the city, like they have nothing. But like, they say they that even in Mongolia, they say they're the richest people because one, they have everything they need, and then if they want money, they sell one of the animals. But they have like unlimited animals because they keep having babies, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like they have unlimited money because they don't really need money for anything. And if they want it, they can just sell it. 
and like they're just the happiest people and they just travel the land with the animals which is why lesson to learn it's a great takeaway yeah. all right before we have two questions to answer about my time in mongolia now the first one out of all the leagues sean played in what was the mongolian league's level most comparable to so I've played in the Oberliga in Germany, which is the fifth tier. I'm currently in the Regionalliga, which is the fourth tier in Germany. And then, of course, the Mongolian Premier League, which is their first tier. I would say at the time when I was there, the first place and second place teams could probably play Regionalliga in terms of quality of players. It's a different style of football. It's very direct. Um, but I think they could definitely play in the fourth tier. They could get by. I think most teams are Oberliga level, which would be fifth tier in Germany. And I think the last place team at that season, they were pretty bad. I think that would be... Landesliga or, or even worse, which would be the sixth or seventh year in Germany. Um, but like I said, the style of play is a, a little different, so it's hard to compare uh, directly. Second question is, how was the access to things like physio treatment and regular doctor visits? Uh, that was non-existent. We had a student looking to become a doctor as our physio, but he wasn't studying to be a physio, just studying to be like a regular uh, doctor. Um, so yeah, there was pretty much non-existent um, Got to be self-sufficient, basically get by with a, a foam roller. And yeah, he could, he could give you a massage on a muscle that was hurting, but he, I wouldn't say he knew what he was doing. I did uh, go to a masseuse at times if I had a knot or something. It actually was a clinic of all blind people, which is hilarious. But I think we spoke about that on the, this podcast. I think so. Um, but hope everyone's enjoying this these segments and... You know, remember to keep plugging, keep passing, give us that free support where you can on our socials, you know, like, comment, subscribe, show a friend, you know, all these things. Check out our website for more things coming. And yeah, thanks so much. And, you know, we'll see you next time. Until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path. Lovely. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 